0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the writer and director of the film The Nest, Sean Durkin. Things are dried up here for me. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, yeah. There's an opportunity. Where? London. This would be our fourth move in 10 Turn years. Backwards.
1: But money's fine, right? Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah this is a fresh start
1: how about this
0: you shouldn't be working for someone else be your own boss build your own place own your own horses
1: something doesn't feel right
0: it's not your job to worry
1: you leave that to your husband scares me that you actually think that
0: Back here full-time? Oh, yes. We've just bought a beautiful farm in Surrey, and we're thinking of a pied terre in Mayfair. <laughs> it's just small talk.
1: I saw some deposits you made. It's nowhere near what you're spending.
0: Don't worry. I have a huge check coming in at the end of the month. <laughs> Everything's gonna be fine.
1: Is it? You're delusional because you have nothing, Rory. We have nothing. It's horrible here. No one is the same here. Nothing Nothing is the same here.
0: People seem to want everything and expect every need to be fulfilled.
1: What is happening? You are all strangers to me right now, all of you. You're embarrassing. And you're exhausting.
0: So Sean, this was your first time in the director's chair in in seven years. Tell me about developing the Nest and why why this project brought you back behind the camera.
1: Was it seven years?
0: <laughs> I, you know, I, I get my information from IMDb, so so who knows no, how no, I no. on. I
1: know, I know, I was, I was literally. Yeah, so I guess yeah, I made South Club in 2012, and we shot this in 2018. So yeah, six 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 years. Yeah, um, yeah, I. It was um n- you know, not for lack of trying. Um I finished Southcliffe in two thousand and thirteen, um and then produced James White. And then so that finished in two thousand fourteen. So so basically two thousand and fourteen to two thousand and eighteen, um I was developing multiple projects i started writing the nest in 2014 and alongside of that i was trying to make a couple other films i um scott rudin had brought me on to um, a little house on the prairie project that he had with sony um and i spent about a year on that um which got very close to going um, and then fell through um and then i was also working on a film about janice joplin that actually started before um started just after Martha and um, that also fell through for very different reasons and so um, and and all the while I was writing the nest and Mm. um, and and so yeah just um, the nest kind of rose to the top sure as these other things fell away
0: well, tell me about developing this script, um, you know, how did you kind of initially come to the idea for this project and, and uh, how did you, how did you kind of develop the script?
1: I was back in England shooting Southcliffe and I hadn't been there in um, like 19 years. I moved to New York from, from England when I was 11 um, and I was really struck by how similar New York and London were now and uh when i left as a kid they were just couldn't feel more different i mean it was such a different atmosphere and feeling and so um i thought it would be interesting to to explore that time from my life and um i explore what a move can do to a family especially a big sudden move like that mm. uh and that was the way in and then from there i um I started to look at time period and kind of worked my way back to 1986, it was, it was a year of hope, I think, uh, in, in, in some, in, in some sense, um, there was a lot of, you know, promise in the financial world, even though the recession was coming and ultimately the crash, but there was still, um, this sort of emerging global market happening. And, and, and so, I wanted that and the and those celebrated values of that time like ambition and, and greed and bigger is better and this you know false notion of the american dream yeah. um you know i wanted to put those at the heart of this character and therefore at the heart of this family's um struggle
0: yeah you, you mentioned the american dream you know but here it's it's rory and an englishman taking his family to london to pursue kind of that idea of the american dream so could you tell me more about, about taking an American family, but bringing them to England to to kind of tell the story about pursuing
1: wealth and success and all that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's, Rory's a character who is so focused on not being the place he came from that he doesn't know himself. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, and, and everything's very well researched in this movie, um, and there's, a, there's, uh, you know, it's, it's. He's a character who probably left England because, you know, it felt like he had achieved everything he could achieve there, and there's big things happening in America in the '70s and commodities, and so it was like, he was going to go and make it big in New York, you know, yeah. it was that kind of mentality, and, and then come home, uh, you know, big fish in a small pond mentality, um, and 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 I think, for me, there, there's something. Uh, you know, the American dream is something that was exported. And so I think having it be someone English who's come to America to chase it and then bring it back home because it was, it was coming back home in 1986. I mean, it, 1986 was the year that it was the height of deregulation and privatization in England. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these, these rules that had been in place forever there uh, were being dismantled. And and British trading firms were being bought by American companies for the first time, and because before that, American companies couldn't couldn't trade in England in the in the British market. So it was this. It it, there was a real historical merging of financial cultures, and um, you know, Rory positions himself as the the person to bridge that gap. So it was really something that was going on at the time, and felt like he was the right. know it was the right sort of focus for the character you
0: talked about how how everything is really well researched for this film and and i think that that comes across how how familiar were you with all of these financial systems and kind of the financial state of both new york and l and uh, and london in in the 80s was that something you were pretty familiar
1: with no not at all i I, like i don't don't, it's so funny i don't understand the world (laughs) except for the very specific corners that i researched um my brain couldn't be more different.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what attracted you to exploring that then? Just, it was just the the idea of, of the, you know, pursuing, like we talked about pursuing this wealth and success.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and and I'm, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued by the world of it. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued by, I I love, I love watching things where, you know, I don't necessarily understand the technicalities going on, but I believe them. And so I'm happy to go with it. Yeah you know like uh like i remember watching my wife's english and never watched baseball in her life but we watched moneyball together and she was just took about five minutes and then she was just totally gripped and i i'm not a big baseball fan but i sort of know enough but to hold on to but but essentially i just love that you know Mm -hmm. and I love getting lost in those details, um, when I'm watching something and sort of trusting the film is going to tell me what's important. And yeah, that's, that's yeah. so funny. As soon as you said that,
0: uh, Moneyball was the first movie that popped in my head. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's me with any sports movie for sure. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm just I'm lost. Uh, you know, and, and as, as the story progresses, you also kind of start to realize that, this probably isn't the first time this family has gone through something like this. So um, yeah. can you talk about the, kind of the idea of this, this cycle that this family yeah. is in?
1: Yeah. I really, I'm really fascinated by, by human cycles and mm. that, you know, we just, we repeat our mistakes and, 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 um, and get, and get comfortable in routines and things. And, and yeah. it's really human. And uh, yeah, I wanted to, to, Get the sense that this family's been through this again, this before, and and maybe they'll go through it again. But I wanted it to be the moment that was this was the the lowest point. You know, this yeah. this was as bad as it was going to get, and if it repeated again, at least there are truths that have come up. And so it was about that the moment. You know, getting to a place of of truth coming through for the first time that will even if a cycle repeats itself will forever be different because now. The truth is out that's good and as rich as all these themes
0: are uh, you know uh, I, I think you're right that because of the you know I'm, I'm not familiar with the technicalities at all of 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 the financial systems in the 80s but the, the film is so effective because of the the strong character development so much more than plot and so tell me more about developing those those these incredible characters uh, especially allison and rory
1: yeah i mean i just um yeah fo- i focus on details i, I think i focus first and foremost on on specific details, little character details. And that gets me in, um, you know, where does Allison work? What is, you know, she hides cash in a shoe box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, she, you know, um, Rory, Works from home and and does the school drop-offs, which in 1986 is is notable mm. uh, for a father, you know. Um, it's so so yeah, just like bit by bit, work my way in with these things, and then start to decide where they come from and who their parents were, and 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 that's and that's really interesting to me. At the core, you know, I want to explore characters in and explore here. Why they are the way they are, what defines them, and what's actually theirs versus what was handed to them, what was told to them. You know, what what, what are their, what are their true values versus the values they're acting out, and and were those given to them by society, by their family, hmm. um, and that creates a duality and a in an internal struggle that I'm really interested in. And and then you've got Kerry Kuhn and Jude Law
0: who are just giving these powerhouse performances. How did you know that they were perfect
1: for these roles? And and what was it like working with them? It was amazing working with them. (laughs) Um, They are both just absolute incredible people and incredible actors. And um, Jude, I felt, had, you know, the first day I met Jude, I was just sort of overwhelmed by the amount of warmth and love that he has. He's Mm. he's very heart-led and... Um, and I felt, and he, and he felt like it was the thing that we sort of immediately got into was because I, you know, Jude, uh, Rory does some things that are questionable and mm-hmm. I, but I always believed, you know, he truly thought they were the best thing for his family and for mm-hmm. his, for himself. And so even though they're misguided, there has to be from the actor that has to be that like belief in that warmth and and he you know he's a good father, and he's in, 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 and they have a lot of fun together, so he has all of those elements, and he really and also, you know he just wanted to go there and wasn't mm-hmm. afraid to go there and and I think it's really it's it's kind of hard to find sometimes it's hard to find actors who really want to go there mm-hmm. um and Carrie, I knew a little bit through friends and um and yeah i just i just I just know she's one of the best out there at all, you know, and, um, and so I just knew that she would be able to both be the grounded horse woman and, um, you know, also the sort of glamour side of putting on that fur coat and going out, you know, having to, and, and merge those things into one very concrete person, which is, which is a tricky task, but. Um, yeah I just had an instinct and, and, and I just I don't know why I felt they would be good together I just did and uh, you know we got, we, we got together the three of us we only we only had one day together before the shoot and it was about three months before we shot and we met in New York and just didn't really talk about the script we talked a little bit about backstory just so there were some common shared ideas but then we would just went out for lunch and hung out and um, it was a very very beautiful day.
0: Coming up on 5 minute news
1: revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.
0: A lot of attention goes to the two of them, obviously, but Una Roche and Charlie Shotwell are incredible too. Uh, you know, how, Was it hard to find these, the, the right young actors for, for these
1: roles? Um, yeah, it's always hard to find, but, but, um, but also not because they're there, they're out there. And mm-hmm. so I always know they're out there. I, I, I worked in casting for years. I, I watched, you know, kids come in with no experience and just be astonishing, but mm-hmm. not get roles. Or I watched young actors, you know, spend their twenties auditioning and not get at things. And, and so it, I just, I, I really believe in giving people opportunities mm. and trusting I mean, I, I literally all I have to see in an audition is something like two seconds—an expression, a feeling, an energy. Like it's, I just I just see something. And I'm like, that's what I'm looking for. And I don't always know till I see it. And so, it can be challenging because you have to dig and dig and dig sometimes. But once I see it, I know, and I know it's out there. So, so with Una, Susan Shotmaker um, knew Una, and she just graduated from school and. Um, she got her tape and sent it to me. And I just felt like uh, it was actually that day that I was going to see Juden Carey. Mm. I got a tape overnight and I watched it in the morning when I woke up and I was like, yep, didn't even finish it. I'm like, <laughs> that's it, that's her. She just had this strength yeah. and humor and like feel like it lived. Um, and it just, but a calm as well. You know, just wanted to have all of that. Um, and it and has that. And then Charlie is very different Charlie's got so much experience. I think mm-hmm. he has, you know, more movie credits than Carrie. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, that's what she says. I don't. I've never compared their resumes, <laughs> but, um, but he's in loads of stuff and, and just yeah. such a seasoned professional. And and you know, when working with an eleven-year-old boy, that's really useful, you yeah. know. And also, Charlie's is a super wise kid. I mean, he's far beyond his years. And 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 quite playful. And so I felt putting that all inside behind Ben, where Ben doesn't really get to show too much, hmm. um, would, be, would be really effective.
0: I, I understand that you became a parent uh, well yeah. in the process of, of developing The Nest. How, how, did, how did that experience, you know, writing, writing a movie about a, a, a family that's sort of falling apart in some ways, how did that experience shape
1: this project? I don't know how, but it did. Hmm. Um, you know, I I would have spent the first six months not working. And so I would have come back to the script after having six months of, you know, being with my baby. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I think I, I, you know, I, I I think it just, I think becoming a parent just changes um, life view a little bit. And so, my life you would change and and the script would change and 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 it certainly started out as as an exploration of childhood um but i think before before i had a child it shifted into more you know explorations of marriage and family but i think it only furthered that you know sort of understanding of people being both parents and children and 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 um you know wanting to have Rory and Allison be seen both as children, giving them yeah. both a scene with their mother was felt really important to understanding them and just creating these whole people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Were were there any other films or, or, or filmmakers or any anything that inspired elements of The Nest?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watching Shoot the Moon for the first time was really influential. Um I had never seen it and I was I was back in England and I was writing the script and I was working on the very first draft. And I was, it's a producer named Jeremy Thomas, who I had a meeting with. And, and, um, and I was telling him about what I was doing and he was like, Oh, you have to see shit. Mm. shit And I went home and I, and I watched it and it just blew me away. It was like my perfect family drama. Mm. Um, and so that was, you know, that was a big, um, that was a big, moment for for us. And then yeah, I was also um you know, films like Don't Look Now and um uh Clute hmm. um and 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 Alan Clark, a lot of Alan Clark films, um the way he sort of captured this truthful truthful corners of British culture in the 80s. Um was, was really influential to me
0: awesome I've, I've never seen shoot the moon so I will uh, I, I'll need to look that up That's great yeah
1: Albert Finney and Diane Keaton um, shoot the moon it's uh, yeah it's really beautiful
0: uh, well um, 2020 has been a, a pretty a pretty dark year I'd love to know if you've been watching anything good any uh, any filmmakers that are exciting you these days uh, or just anything you want to just kind of
1: shout out for people um, yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of great stuff this year. Um, I, I really love Eliza Hitman's films, and I really yeah. love her new film. Um, as someone who's made a film with four names in the title. <laughs> that's right i know how challenging yeah. it can be but yeah sometimes always uh
0: never rarely sometimes never always. rarely sometimes yeah. always
1: <laughs>
0: that's, it's phenomenal yeah i didn't catch up with it until uh a, a while after it came out and i was blown away yeah it's great
1: yeah um yeah and then also some really good uh really good television i think i may destroy you is really mm. really amazing and um i know this much is true um and then recently, I've been watching a lot of Criterion Channel. I just got it a couple of months ago, um, and that's been a real lifesaver because it's typically whatever city I live in, I, I'm I'm always looking at what the retrospectives are at mm-hmm. art house cinemas, and and so I'm always just going to see. I'm also I'm always going to see whatever is out and playing. That's um, a big, you know, going to retrospects is a big part of my life, and so I haven't had that this year, and I was really mm-hmm getting an itch. So I, I got, got on a criterion channel and sort of didn't realize like how great it was. And I've yeah. just been turned on to some incredible things recently that I didn't know about. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, Cool. Well, Sean, uh, thank you so much for your time. And, and, uh, again, congrats on this film. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the writer and director of the film The Nest, Sean Durkin here on the next best picture podcast part of the evergreen podcast network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. If you're feeling generous and want to leave us a review on Apple podcast rate us five stars drop us a comment. That would be really, really nice. And if you're also feeling generous, head on over to Patreon where for $1 minimum a month, you will get exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.